Hello, Internets, and welcome to the second episode of Geeks Grading Geekdom, a show podcast thing. I'm Wes, and every week I and whatever guest I can rope in are going to discuss the wide umbrella of geekish things in our culture. That's movies and books, TV shows, comics, and uh, who knows what else. This week, it's a TV show. I'm talking Velma. My name is Velma Dinkley, and this is my origin story. Sure, normally origin stories are about tall, handsome guys struggling with the burden of being handed even more power. And if they are about girls, it's usually like, hey, what made this hot chick go crazy? So to remedy this, I've decided to finally share the bone-chilling events that drove me to assemble the greatest team of spooky mystery solvers ever. Yeah, it was me, not Fred and his weird sex fan. This is my story told my way. And it starts with a murder, bitch. And I'm going to open with this before I get into the context. Here we go. Velma does not deserve all the hate it's getting. I'll explain, but first I want to get into the context and get that all set up for the people who don't know it. And if you're hearing this via podcast, not the live stream, and already know the context, feel free to jump on ahead. So, the Velma 10 episode series, which is season one, premiered on HBO Max in January. That was almost a year after it was announced. I guess that's about normal. I don't remember when I first heard about it. I don't remember if I saw a news tidbit about the show or saw early reactions from fandom first. What I do recall is the ruckus being made by some corners of fandom that Velma wasn't white. Shocker. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Okay. I could presume that you know all about the Scooby Gang just because it's such a well-known touchstone of American popular culture. It's just one of those things you could pick up basic knowledge of just by existing, really, just by absorbing knowledge about those meddling kids by osmosis. I mean, it's really just become an idiom. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. Even so, just for the sake of completeness, here we go. Fred, Daphne, Shaggy, Velma, and the Talking Great Dane Scooby-Doo premiered on television on September 13th, 1969 on the TV show Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? That was the full title. That show lasted originally just three seasons. It jumped from CBS to ABC, and the show produced 41 episodes, if my math is right from reading the Wikipedia entry. Anyway, it became a staple of Saturday morning cartoons when those were a very special thing, and it launched a franchise. A very, very big franchise. In total, as of this recording, the Scooby-Doo franchise consists of... 12 TV shows, or 13 if you count both iterations of Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo that ran from 79 to 82, and this doesn't count the Velma TV show, so 12 TV shows. Also, 5 animated television movies. Also, 37 different animated direct-to-video movies starting with Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. There's also an animated theatrical release that was called Scoob, and on top of those, there have been... Two live-action theatrical movies, two live-action television movies, one live-action direct-to-video movie, six TV specials, six direct-to-video specials, eight TV shorts, two direct-to-video shorts, 36 web shorts, and I haven't even touched on the comic books, the singles, the film strips, the video games, and the stage plays. Yes, stage plays. They exist. And clearly, 
This all means people love them some Scooby Doo, which is great. Scooby Doo is very, very lovable. But if you've done any visiting to those places on the internet that talk pop culture, especially say YouTube, you may just may have picked up on the idea that the Velma series is not sharing in all that love. I'll get there about that. But first, let me give you a quick and spoiler-free summation of the season. The Scooby gang in this Velma series is in high school, and they're not a gang yet. Two of them are driving, so I'm putting them at age 16 or so. Let's say spring of their sophomore year in high school. They, they could be juniors, but that doesn't really matter all that much. Fred and Daphne are the popular kids. Fred's family is rich. Velma and Daphne used to be friends before Daphne got all popular. Velma is now a weird outcast. And Shaggy is still going by his given name, Norval. He's on the school paper, seems to be an editor-in-chief. He's got an unrequited and really unrecognized crush on Velma in this series. In the show, there are two mysteries going on. The first one we learn about is the mystery of who is killing hot girls from the high school and removing their brains. The second mystery is the mystery of what happened to Velma's mother, who went missing two years earlier or so. Velma is convinced she was kidnapped. Velma only cares about the latter mystery, what happened to her mom. Until then, in the series, she's compelled to start looking into the second one about who's killing hot girls from the high school and removing their brains. We meet all of the characters' parents. Uh, Fred's parents own a men's accessory company and are elitist douchebags. Daphne was adopted by a lesbian couple who are police officers. That happened when she was very young, uh, an infant. Norval's mom is the high school principal, and his dad is the school counselor. And then, as I said, Velma's mom is missing. Her dad, a lawyer... He's convinced that the mom left them, and he has moved on with his life. And by moved on, what I mean is he married the local diner owner, who is now very pregnant with their child. Oh, and one more thing. Velma once investigated where her mom hid her Christmas presents. She found them and is now convinced that that's something that compelled her mom to go out on Christmas Eve to get something else. That happened to be the night she was kidnapped slash went missing, and Velma is completely convinced it's all her fault, that if she hadn't investigated the mystery of her Christmas presents, all would have been a well. And because of this guilt, she has these debilitating hallucinations whenever she starts investigating a mystery, like what happened to her mom. The ghosts that you see on the trailer of, of the show, those are what Velma sees when she's hallucinating. They're horrifying and beautiful, but I'll get to the animation in a minute. Over the course of the season, Velma gets the gang together and they end up working like a unit to solve the mysteries, just like on the TV show and the movies. Except no, that's not at all how it works. Velma manipulates, guilts, bribes, and maybe even blackmails people into helping her. She gets a lot wrong. Her relations with the other characters go back and forth, love and hate, respect, disdain, and there's a lot of sexual tension. Basically everywhere. In this day and age, you can't speculate about someone's sexuality unless they're famous or peppermint patty. And much like high school. Velma in this show is not anything like a lovable person, okay? I'll just go ahead and admit that freely. 
because that's one of the things I liked so much about this show. Velma in this series is not someone you'd want to be friends with. She's not even someone you'd like to hang around with if you didn't have to. She is a train wreck of a person so focused on her missing mom that nothing else matters. And that certainly includes the burden of empathy. Just not going to bother with it. But seeing this emotional train wreck of a person trying to accomplish something, it worked for me. She is far, far, far from the original, but Velma isn't the only one who's been completely overhauled for this show, all right? In fact, there's been drastic changes made to all of the main characters compared to how they've generally been portrayed over the years. Daphne has a side hustle you would never expect, and she has it for a reason that actually makes sense uh, at least to a point but that point is something that this show just leaves way in the dust of the rearview mirror but it works and also she's an asian and how do you feel about race blind casting daphne well as an asian woman i um think it's cool I mean, not to oversimplify a thorny issue, but everyone loves it when white people play Jesus or a professional boxer. Why can't it ever go the other way, right? Fred is a spoiled, entitled, popular rich kid. I have a disease where I can't recognize people who aren't hot. My doctor says it's basically sickle cell for rich guys. Is it called rudeness? It is. You're like smart. Shaggy is not yet Shaggy. He's still Norval, which was the name established for him years and years ago by Scooby Franchise Incorporated. Also, he isn't a stoner. I think it has something to do with drugs, which I hate. You might notice one name missing from this list. That is Scooby himself. The Great Dane, the talking dog, he's not there. There's a good reason for that. This whole Velma show was developed and created by a guy named Charlie Grandy. He worked on The Office. He worked on The Mindy Project, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and a bunch of other stuff. And per the Slate.com, I'm going to quote the Slate here, Grady attested that he had always considered leaving the dog out of the show as a way to age up Velma even more. But the choice was solidified when Warner Brothers told them that the dog was off-limits due to licensing issues. Close quote. But let me say that last part again. The dog was off-limits due to licensing issues. Grandy could not have included Scooby-Doo in this show no matter what. It was not going to happen. He could not include Scooby-Doo. So... Every single complaint you might hear that they killed off the dog in Velma, it's all invalid. They could not use the dog, period. Scooby was never going to be allowed to be a part of the series, no matter how the series was going to go. The rights holders were not going to let Scooby be used. Not directly, anyway. He called the program the Special Covert Operations Brain Initiative, or Scooby. Scooby? And wait, what did Scooby do? But in the end, the mysteries do get solved. And if I say much more, I'm getting into spoiler territory. So let's just leave it there. And let me give you a quick look at the actors who I have, the actors, the voice actors here, I have seen nothing but praise for these people when they're mentioned. Strangely, the quality of the voice acting doesn't seem to come up on most of the places that are voicing loud hate for this show. What a shocker. But anyway, 
Velma is voiced by executive producer Mindy Kaling, who's no stranger to controversy herself for a variety of reasons. Fred is voiced by Glenn Howerton. Constance Wu plays Daphne. And Norville is voiced by Sam Richardson. They do a great job. The cast is really, really solid. Even the minor secondary characters, it it's all good voice acting. And the animation, by the way, is also good. I mean, it's really good. It's smooth, it's consistent, it's creative. Some of the ghost hallucination scenes are just beautiful. It's it's a lovely thing to watch. And the story, the story and the plot, they work. It's not Sherlock Holmes, it's not Quinn Colson, but it works. But this Velma series has garnered a lot of hate. And I mean a lot of hate. Here's some quotes from Variety. Velma seems specifically designed to be labeled a childhood ruining travesty by the extremely online, which goes out of its way to deconstruct or lampoon every aspect of the source material. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus Jinkies! This radical reworking of the beloved mystery team has plenty of attitude and style, but it doesn't have the first clue for how to turn its clever subversion into engaging fun. An IBDM user says, Imagine taking a kid's show and turning it into a disgusting college frat house drama where everyone is a bully and vomiting for laughs. This might be the most hate-filled reinterpretation of a cartoon I've ever seen. The Atlantic! (laughs) The Atlantic addressed this. Velma isn't edgy, it's just mean. NPR critic Eric Degen, a show that removes the reason that the fans originally fell in love with the characters without giving them any reason to care. The Alpha J Show on YouTube. If the mystery didn't matter, then what did matter in the show? (sighs) Okay, that's just a sample. Uh, But the hate is not everywhere. I got to say the avclub.com called the show a mostly fun time and added that this wasn't the Velma you know, but the one you can enjoy. Out.com said Velma is much better than the haters and trolls want you to believe, and I'm with them. (laughs) I really am. Many of the complaints like this seem to be coming from a position of people who wanted a predictably placed show with traditional motivations. Here's a mystery. The characters solve mysteries. Therefore, the show should have them diligently working in clever and kooky ways to solve the mystery presented at the start, just like the old TV show. That's not what this is. And it was never, ever presented as though it was going to be anything like that. This is a parody of Scooby-Doo in the style of Family Guy. It's a licensed and approved turning upside down of all scoobness that has come before. Velma the TV show it's self-referential, it's irreverent, it throws out references by the dozen, and it pokes fun at the ridiculous aspects of the source material. It pokes fun at race and at sexuality, and it pokes fun at itself. And it all works. It kept me entertained throughout every episode. Another common complaint I heard that the show just isn't funny. I don't know what kind of funny these people wanted unless it was the silliness that marked the early iterations of the franchise, which worked. I'm not throwing shade on all the many, many shows and shorts and movies and everything else that are already out there. Many of which, by the way, got more than their own fair share of hate, too, back when they were new. But sometimes fandom just can't be satisfied. And sometimes it just outright refuses to be satisfied, sometimes from the get-go. So... 
let's look at some of the particulars. There, okay, there may be some things that I'm about to say that could be a little spoilerish. I'll try to sidestep them, but you know, proceed with care based on how much you want to know if you haven't seen the show. But here we go. The opening scene of episode one of Velma takes place in the showers of the girls' locker room. Here's some of the very first lines. Okay, team shower discussion topic of the day. Have you ever noticed how pilot episodes of TV shows always have more gratuitous sex and nudity than the rest of the series? Oh my god, I have. So true. That's how we learn what Rachel Brosnahan's boobs look like. And Don Cheadle's butt. Well, I for one think it's lame. Agree. So lame. The lamest. Oh, I actually kind of love it. <gasps> sex sells. And in today's overcrowded market, you need a hook. Um, the only hook a good show ever needs is good storytelling. Then why was your favorite part of the Riverdale pilot when Betty and Veronica kissed? Well, because I was instantly called out as tired in the scene. <sighs> no, it's because it was hot. You could have it both ways. <gasps> no, you can't. Just admit, we are all secretly perverts. Never! <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this conversation is happening amongst naked girls in the shower. All the naughty bits are covered by swirls of steam and other girls' bodies and towels and whatnot, but that's where it's happening. So this show opens with it talking about tired tropes while utilizing those very same tropes in a deliberate and obvious meta-presentation that sets the tone for the entire rest of the show. That was the point. The show is littered with this stuff, but in keeping with what was said in that clip, it's never as extreme as in that opening scene, because it's only first episodes that do that. And so the self-referencing is started right there and just lays the groundwork for everything else that comes. Another clip that popped up a lot in the videos I saw shows Fred dressed like a little rich boy from the Victorian age. He's got the curls, the shiny cheeks, those big innocent eyes. He was wearing frilly clothing and he's got a big toy pinwheel for some reason. How could you risk your career and entire livelihood on the most unlikable defendant since that chimpanzee who ate a woman's face? Because what you see as risk, I see as mere child's play. Hello, friends. My name is Fred. What's yours? Wow. I think I speak for the entire journalistic community when I say... Don't I feel like an asshole? No way this scrumptious muffin removed those girls' brains. Thanks, news lady. This, I guess, is for these critics to show how wrong the writers did Fred, except they they didn't. There's a very specific and deliberate reason for that look, which only happens that one time. Yeah, it's way over the top, is way unrealistic, but, you know, realism and this show have almost nothing to do with each other. Not not that they were ever even real close friends in any other iteration of Scooby-Doo, mind you. Others have complained about the plot device characters, big ones whose only apparent reason for being in the show was to advance the plot. I, I will, I will kind of grant that, but this is not and never pretended to be any highbrow television. There's only so much time, too. I'd, I'd like to know what those people would like to have had excluded to make room for some more nuanced character arcs in the show's minor characters. So I'm brushing this one aside. Another complaint I heard and read again and again was how the characters are mean and unlikable. Yes. Yes, they are. 
especially Velma. I mentioned before how manipulative she was and how she really only cared about people insofar as they could help her. I'm guessing maybe the people who are complaining about this expected to see the same Velma or the same kind of Velma they've seen before, maybe. But the show made it clear from the trailers that that was not the Velma that they would get on this show. In fact, let's take a listen to some bits from the first trailer. Hey, Daphne. I need a favor. Why would I do that? We're not friends anymore. We're nemesis. Nemeses. And that's why. You might have more success with this if you went in just a little less judgy. Okay, Daphne, I'm the brains of this operation. You're just the look, style, and effortless charm. Oh, sorry I'm not a drunk on the verge of losing custody like every other woman solving murders these days. All our classmates are idiots, so let's assume they're high. Snarky blunt, mean-spirited, and the words that were splattered on the screen during this trailer literally say, quote, high school can be murder, and she doesn't have a clue. There's even a box that covers the first murdered girl's open skull with the words mindless violence. It's telling you exactly what kind of show this was. What kind of show did anyone expect to be other than what it was? What part of that trailer led anyone to think, oh cool, an origin story of Velma that will be just like all the other Scooby-Doo shows I've seen before. I came in wanting this irreverence and this snark, and I finished the series satisfied, because there is plenty of it with more to spare. And all that brings me to something else that I heard over and over. Who is this show for? The critics who said that can't seem to figure this out. They say, this is a cartoon that makes fun of adults who watch cartoons, so it can't be for adults. You know what 420 is, right? Um, yeah, it's code for adults who still watch cartoons. And if it's not for adults, it must be for children. But with all the violence and sexual references, it can't be for children. And it makes fun of Scooby-Doo, so it can't be for Scooby-Doo fans, so who can it be for? Well... It's for me, for one. I watched every episode, and okay, I won't say I ever guffawed or had to pause the show because I was laughing too hard to follow what happened next, but I did laugh out loud, and I chuckled enough at times to be satisfied, and I loved, I loved how it called out the ridiculous parts of the old original series. And no hate right now on me, because you know, if you watch that show, it did have ridiculous parts. Even as a kid, I noticed how, say, okay, Shaggy and Scooby are would be running from some monster. They would find a barrel or something to hide in or behind or whatever, and then the monster comes on screen. It comes to a sudden stop right where the two are hiding, and it looks around, and then it shuffles on. So many times that happened, and yet I guess that's an effort to ratchet up the tension of the scene. Will the monster find them or not? No. No, it won't. The monster would not find them. Not unless finding them was part of an elaborate trap to capture it. I knew this at seven years old after watching some episodes, and I may have watched too many cartoons at that age, but I I knew this. I, if I saw that happen, if I saw them go hide somewhere and then the monster come on screen and pause, I knew the monster wasn't going to find them. He was going to shuffle on. And you know, th that happened in plenty of other cartoons besides Scooby-Doo, and there were plenty of them that, that riffed off Scooby-Doo and ripped it straight up off. But it's still a ridiculous thing. It's fun to a point, but it's ridiculous. And that's the kind of thing that Velma pokes fun at. 
And those chases, too. Remember the chases? The characters running in and out of doors in impossible ways. Someone would run in a door on one side of a hallway and come out on the other side of the hallway, three doors down. Or two characters would go into different doors on one side of the hallway, and they'd both come out, one riding on top of the other's shoulders on a doorway on the other side of the hallway. It's totally ridiculous. It, it's funny with the music going on and everything. And even though it happened so much, it became a trope of its own and a trope that deservedly gets called out for that on Velma. It doesn't diminish the fun of the old shows. It's just that this show is pointing out how the emperor was naked and they're going to say so and they're going to have fun with it, which they did. That was one of the things that made me laugh out loud because I saw exactly what they were doing. And I hope that didn't spoil things for you if you haven't seen it, but it was made clear and that's why I enjoyed it. And another thing, this didn't come up as much in the complaints, but I saw it here and there, is the question of canon. Much, not not really much. Okay, some ado was made about Velma's sexuality being made canon by this show. Velma's lesbianism is something that's been hinted at and danced around and heavily implied for years. In Velma, there's none of that. There's a very lot of the complete opposite. And in fact, sex and race come up a lot in this show, which are just two more self-referential things about it that I enjoyed. But, okay, back to canon. Is this show canon? Are all Scooby-Doo media presentations canon? Is there just a single Scooby-Doo canonical storyline? Obviously not. At least not one that doesn't require you to do backflips and obscene yoga stretches to try to explain. Velma is sold to us as an origin story. Which is just like something else I've heard about. Search no further. A pup named Scooby-Doo, the complete second, third, and fourth seasons on DVD, like for the first time ever. Discover the history behind the mysteries. When you follow the pint-sized pooch with a nose for trouble. A pup named Scooby-Doo, the complete second, third, and fourth seasons. Look for it on DVD. Ah! So an origin story's been done before for Scooby-Doo, with the gang as kids and Scooby as a pup, which would mean that the kids are about nine years old in that cartoon. Figuring that they're out of high school in the original series puts them at, say, 19, and according to the American Kennel Club, Great Danes live between eight and ten years. You do the math and decide if you really want everything Scooby-Doo to be canon or not. Because if it is canon, the gang is on at least Scooby-Doo number two. But since that idea just sucks, let's forget canon, forget continuity. They don't even enter into it, and they shouldn't enter into it. Let every Scooby-Doo series or story stand on its own. And that also means that while Velma is presented as an origin story, it's clearly not the origin story. And, you know, it's perfectly fine to have multiple origin stories for the same character or characters. And it's also okay for those origin stories to vary widely in scope and focus, style and tone. Just ask Batman. He's had plenty of origin stories all over the place. All right. So, the canon complaint, rebutted. Lack of Scooby-Doo complaint, rebutted. Not the traditional Velma, rebutted. Not funny, rebutted. But, as always with funny, your mileage may vary. Especially with parody. Especially even more so with a show that was a parody of its own source material that many people really, really love. 
a lot. And that's okay. I'm not slamming any of you who love some Scooby-Doo and hate that someone made an official parody of it. But for a parody, Velma works. And the producers and the distributors clearly agree because the show's been renewed for a second season. What on earth they're going to do with a second season, I can't imagine. But I don't have to. I've got other things that need my imagination. So I'll let the showrunners, writers, artists, actors, and crew do their thing without trying to speculate about what season two is going to do and what it means for season one. It'll come out when it comes out, and I am certainly going to watch it, just like I watched season one, which, one last time, I really enjoyed. I could nitpick some things, but given the tone of the show, my nitpicks don't really matter. So now... Here's the grade for Velma Season 1. A-. minus. I found it engaging, humorous, well-paced, well-animated, really, with great voice work, and it was a new and interesting take on the characters. And it was certainly triggering because a lot of people had a lot of things to say about it, uh, I guess including me. So there we go. If you want to speak out and tell me how wrong I am about this, feel free. The text line is 901 nine four two zero eight seven eight and the email address if you've got something long to say is mail at drakehallmemphis.com if there's some topic in the wide world of geekdom you'd like for me to address and grade please let me know that too i'd appreciate it for now thanks for listening i am wes yahola and i hope this was all worth your valuable time this is drake digital <laughs>